So if you have your Bibles, turn in them to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be looking at Matthew 7. We're going to focus on verses 15 to 20. We want to make sure we get the context. So we're going to start in verse 13. So friends, listen. This is God's Word. Jesus said, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes, or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. This is God's word. So we're seeing in this passage that Jesus, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, puts a fork in the road. He says there's two ways to live. There's the easy way, and there's the hard way. And Jesus has given us his platform, right? If you're running for office, the Sermon on the Mount is his political platform. This is his way of life. And so now at the end of the sermon, he says, look, I know it's hard. What I've told you is hard. The way that I've put forth for you is hard. But see where it leads. That's what verses 13 and 14 are all about. He says, see where it leads. It's almost like Jesus saying, look, I know about these roads. One is Disneyland, and the other one is a triathlon. One is cheesecake, and the other is broccoli. (laughs) Jesus says, but the easy way, it leads to destruction. It leads to a day of judgment where you end up responsible and having to pay for all of your sins. Then Jesus says, but look, it's the hard way that leads to life. That leads to life. We saw this last week. It's, it's forgiveness. It's hope in this life. And it's perfect happiness and full-orbed peace in the life to come. Like that is what's waiting for us in the future if you follow the way of Jesus. And so, as you read this, you think, well, well, why wouldn't everyone go that way? Like, why wouldn't everyone go the way of Jesus? You know, I mean, yeah, it's hard, but all of us in our lives make difficult decisions. We, we choose the difficult route when we know the consequences are serious, right? All of us do this, so why wouldn't everyone go Jesus' way? Why wouldn't everyone follow Jesus? Well, in this passage, in verses 15 to 20, Jesus says it's because the world is filled with people who promote the other way. And the world is filled with people who promote the other way. There are people who live their lives promoting the easy way. They promote it. They advertising, endorsing, promoting the wide and easy way that leads to destruction. You know, they're heading down the road that leads away from Jesus, and they're trying to get everyone to go with them. 
This is why. And so Jesus actually calls them false prophets. False prophets, in verse 15, he says, beware of false prophets. Now, prophets were people in the Bible who claimed to speak for God, but they were false. They weren't really sent by God. They didn't speak the words of God. God never said what they've said. And it's interesting, we tend to think about prophets as predictors of the future, right? Someone who's prophetic can see into the future and tell you what's going to happen. And it kind of fits here because the main message of these false prophets is predicting what will happen to you in the future if you follow their way and their message. Okay? They are making the ultimate prediction about your eternal destiny. Think about this. As you begin to think about the kinds of false prophets, people who advertise and promote and market the wrong way, Right? They're making a prediction about your eternal destiny. There were false prophets in Jesus' day. There's false prophets today. And it's interesting because this is just a little visual. So this is what Jesus says. Look, the way is easy and the gate is wide that leads to destruction. Many there be that find it. The way is hard and the gate is narrow that leads to life. This is Jesus' version. What the false prophets say, though, no, he's got it all wrong. He's got it all wrong. That is not the way to destruction. Come on, seriously? Jesus is wrong. You can't trust him. Like, come on, seriously. Destruction? Really? In fact, most false prophets, I think, in our day, don't do this. They do this. All roads lead to God. Every way is the same. They'd say that the only road that actually doesn't lead to life is the road that says there's a road that doesn't lead to life. Right? It's intolerance that leads to destruction. This is what many people in our day and age say. Why are you so hung up on Jesus? Like, come on. Everybody is going to get there. God wouldn't send good people to hell. Messages of false prophets today. Don't worry about all that. Look, just be happy. Look, if, if religion helps you, great. It's good for you. But everyone has their own road and their own story. Look, just live your life. Let other people live theirs and you'll be fine. This is the message. And we have people who advertise, who promote, who act, who sing and speak about the easy road as though it leads to life. There are people who spend their, all of their energy wanting you to think that nothing that you do matters, that everybody is going to end up in the same place. Who are the people coming to your mind in your experience? Well, Jesus calls these people false prophets. He says they're false prophets. Jesus cares enough about us, not just to tell us the truth, but to warn us. To warn us that there are people out there and what they're sharing is not the truth. Jeremiah 6.14, talking about the false prophets. They say, peace, peace. 
when there is no peace. So Jesus says, look, beware of them in verse 15. Beware of the false prophets. They make the ultimate prediction about your present life and the decisions that you make now and your eternal destiny. And Jesus says they are false prophets. Their message leads people to destruction. And Jesus goes on because he wants to make sure we really get this. He doesn't just call them false prophets, but second, he calls them ravenous wolves. Jesus is full of grace and mercy, full of kindness and understanding until you start leading other people astray. Verse 15, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Throughout the Bible, it says that God's people are like sheep. You know, the big famous psalm, Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd. Right. In Isaiah, we all like sheep have gone astray. And God is our shepherd. He comes after us. He pursues us. He loves us. Well, Jesus says these false prophets, they come in and they look just like sheep. They dress up so that they look like one of us. They look just like the rest of the sheep. They seem innocent. But Jesus exposes their motives. He says they're ravenous wolves. They, they draw near and they prey on the sheep. They prey on the sheep. And it's kind of scary because these wolves can even dress up, not even just like sheep, but they can dress up like shepherds. Ezekiel chapter 34, listen to this. This is God talking to Ezekiel. Prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves. Should not the shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat. You clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened. The sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness, you have ruled them. These false shepherds become ravenous wolves. They're there. They're feeding on the sheep. They're taking advantage of God's people. They are using and abusing them. And I think these false prophets, there, there are many forms of them today. Um, what I think is interesting is that Jesus, I think Jesus is targeting first and foremost at the religious leaders. Same situation. It was the shepherds of the people that had become corrupt and had become wolves. If you read the rest of the book of Matthew, you see it. But even in chapter 3, remember when John was baptizing people and the Sadducees and the Pharisees showed up? The religious leaders showed up and John the Baptist said, Man, what are you guys doing? You're a brood of vipers. If you want to say that you are repenting, if you want to say that you're following God, then you need to prove it. You need to prove it. These were folks that claimed to follow God, claimed to be leaders, and yet were fleecing 
the sheep. And this passage shows kind of what they do. Um, They're not just deceivers. They have a purpose, and the purpose is to make themselves rich. To make themselves rich. So they steal the food of the sheep. They steal money, right? Uh, They steal their wool, their lives, just to feed themselves, just to make themselves rich. And it's awful to say, but I think you, I mean, everybody knows this, um, that there are wolves in sheep's clothing in the church. There are false shepherds who call themselves pastors um, who want your money. And they want to use your money to pad a lifestyle that is, that's all about themselves. And it's interesting because sometimes the wolves are explicitly hungry for money. Um, other times they're hungry for self-promotion. Right? They want glory. They want fame. Um, some get off on power. But they just want to be in control. They want to tell people what to do. Jesus says, look, there are people who will lead you astray. There are people who are false prophets. Beware of them. She says, look, as I tell you the truth, as I, as I map out for you the way of God, you need to know that there are other people with other, with other ways who will try to convince you to follow them. She says, beware of them. She says, not only are they going to lie to you about the future, but they're going to use and abuse you in the present. Don't follow them. So how can you tell who they are? Right? How do you know who they are? Well, Jesus answers that in verses 16 to 20. He talks about fruits and trees. Fruits and trees. It says, verse 16, you will recognize them by their fruits. And then, just to make sure we don't forget, verse 20, thus you will recognize them by their fruits. And then verses 17, 18, and 19 are about trees. Good tree produces good fruit. Bad tree produces bad fruit. It's interesting here, because basically what Jesus is saying is, like every life produces something. Something comes out of every life. Every life, no matter what you're doing, if you're doing nothing, something's coming out of you. Um, through your words, through your actions, through your attitudes, through the ways that you interact with people, through the things that you do or don't do, every life produces things every day. And Jesus calls that fruit. He says that fruit is either good or bad. And I think we kind of get this. You know, I don't think this is that complicated. We kind of have a sense of people, right? There's a sense of what people are like. You sort of, we just get a feel for them. We kind of get a sense, are they a good person? Are they a bad person? You know, are they hardworking? Are they lazy? Are they kind? Are they kind of rude? Are they bitter? Are they, you know, these sorts of things. Like, all these things are the fruit that our lives produces. And we've talked about the bad fruit, right? We've talked about the bad fruit. Um, and if you want to know what the good fruit looks like, man, Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount. We've been going through this all year long. Like, this is the good fruit. And, and let me just say, I'm so thankful for the way it starts. Aren't you? Because when I start thinking about good fruit, I think, well, all right. 
you know, my list of sins begins to pile up, and I think about the ways that I've been short, I've been angry, I've been impatient, I haven't been faithful, I haven't been diligent. Like, I start thinking about the ways that my life produces bad fruit. You know, and then I remember how the Sermon on the Mount starts. Right? Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the people who are honest about themselves without God. Blessed are the people who admit, you know what, apart from God, I don't really amount to much. Apart from God, man, my contribution is not worth talking about. Uh, blessed are the people who admit that. Blessed are the people who are honest with God. Blessed are the people who mourn because of their situation. Right? Blessed are the people who mourn because they're spiritually bankrupt. And then blessed are those who are humble. They see their sin, they're sorry for their sin, and they're humble before God. And so blessed are those who hunger and thirst for God and his ways, for righteousness. They hunger and thirst. Jesus says those people will be satisfied. Those people will be comforted. Those people will inherit the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah that the good fruit that Jesus is looking for begins with being honest about the reality that we are all fallen people. Okay, the good tree isn't the perfect. Right? We're not talking about perfection. We're talking about people who are living out the life of God, and when they struggle, they're honest. Okay? That is good news. That is really, really good news. And so the Sermon on the Mount teaches us what the good fruit is. Right? The Beatitudes tell us it's being honest, humble, and hungry. You know, then it says the, 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 the good fruit surrounds the Bible. Like you're devoted to the Bible. Remember when Jesus said, not one jot, not one tittle, one dot is going to pass away. You know, that God's word will last as long as God's world. You know, and then Jesus says that, you know what, good fruit is not just your actions, but it's your heart. It's your attitudes. Right? It's what goes on inside of you. He says, you know, good fruit isn't just who you are in public when you're doing the right thing when other people see you. It's who you are in private. Right? Just this is the Sermon on the Mount. Right? And then Jesus talks about um, this trust in God. You know, he confronts, I think in a really appropriate way, people that live for money. Right, that's bad fruit. Someone's living for money. Warning, warning, warning. Run, 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 run. But instead they have this robust trust in God that enables them to bless other people, not use or abuse them. Like that's the Sermon on the Mount. That's what we've been going through the last six months, eight months. This is good fruit. And it's kind of amazing because I just, I love how Jesus is able to pick up images and use them. This image of the tree, the tree serves as an analogy for life. Um, and uh, so there are bad trees in scripture, there's good trees. I want to show you a really amazing picture of a good tree. This is Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 12. This is talking about really, the people who have a relationship with God and what their lives are like. It's a vision for your life, okay? Listen to this. It says, and on the banks, 
on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. The trees, he's talking about people. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. And there's an image of the temple. The idea is that God is pouring his spirit into these people, and because of that, they are producing fruit every month. They have a life that is really the very life of God that flows to them from God, and they produce fruit. It says, their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. When was the last time you saw a tree like bend its branch, pull the fruit close, and bite into it? Trees don't eat their own fruit. Kind of interesting, right? But their fruit will be for food. For who? The fruit will be for food so that they can feed others. So they can feed others and their leaves for healing. Man, this is this amazing vision of a tree that bears good fruit. This is Jesus' vision for your life. He wants the Spirit, His own Spirit, to flow into you so powerfully that you feel His life coming up inside of you so that you produce fruit to bless the people around you. So that your leaves provide healing for other people. These are the people that you can trust. These are the people you can trust. I mean, they're thriving. And it's not necessarily like a financial prosperity. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes that's God's blessing. Um, Sometimes God demonstrates his blessing in people who are spiritually thriving in the midst of difficult circumstances. You know, so it's not always health and wealth. In fact, a lot of times it's not that. Um, It's actually the opposite sometimes. Their fruit... Their leaves are for others. They live to serve others. And this is good fruit. These are good trees. And so Jesus says, these are the folks that you want to follow. These are the prophets that you want to trust. And so, how do you tell? Well, you look at the fruit, you look at the life, which is the tree of the person that you're Evaluating, right? You want to evaluate. And, um, and so I think practically what this comes down to then in terms of solutions here, it comes down to relationships and the Bible. So just to make it really, really practical for us, as you want to evaluate, the way that you can evaluate the false prophets that are in the world, um, it's through relationships and the Bible. Relationships, like you actually have to know people to be able to see the fruit in their lives. Right? If part of the Sermon on the Mount is their actions and their hearts, their public and their private, then you actually have to have a relationship that's close enough to be able to see these things in them. Right? You need to be able to know them. You've got to know who they are. You've got to know what they're like. Um, and so this is interesting to me. So when you think about a church, you, I guess we can say it this way, um, 
if you don't know enough people this well in our church so that you could make an evaluation of both the fruit in their life and the kind of tree that they are, then you don't have the kind of relationships yet that Jesus wants you to have. I think as the family of God, we need to know each other well enough so that we could actually defend each other's character to other people who might question. Does that make sense? I mean, how else are you going to tell? I mean, I'm talking about false prophets here, right? Um, and so I would say that... Um, you know, and I think at the point where I don't mean that you need to know everything about everybody, okay? So don't, don't get me wrong here. Even in a church our size, it's hard. We can't know everybody. We can't know everybody this well. And so, like, the question becomes, like, do you know enough people so that you could characterize our church? So that you could say, our church is made up of people like this. Because if you know enough of them, I don't know, Jesus said 12. Maybe that'd be a good place to start. If you have 12 people that you know well enough to be able to say, yeah, this is a, this is a good person. Um, or to be able to say, you know what, this is a good person and I actually know their areas of weakness. They're not perfect. None of us are. But I've seen them. This is how they deal with their sin. They're honest about it. They're humble about it. Right? They don't, and they're trying to grow. So again, we're not talking about perfect people here. We're talking about people who are honest. But people who are striving after God. Um, I mean, in terms of pastor. Like, I get the idea that some of you know me, some of you don't. So, how do you evaluate me if you can't see my life? Well, again, I think you need to know people who then know me, right? Does that make sense? I mean, you you need to have some kind of relational connection. I don't know if there's like a degrees, you got to be two degrees or three, I don't know what the degrees are, but you, you need to know people in the church well enough so that you can make a statement about, yeah, this is the kind of church that this is. Um, and if you're not there yet, man, I want to invite you to go deeper in your relationships. This is one of the reasons we have community groups, groups that meet during the week so that you can get to know people, so that you can see them when their hair is let down, um, you know, when they're being honest, when they're sharing prayer requests, when they're talking about life and the struggles. Like, this is why we want all of you to be in a community group so that you can say, well, like, I don't know everybody in my church, but I know these folks, and this is what they're like. And these are the things, you know, th- these are the relationships that we need to have so that we can make these kinds of evaluations, okay? And so it's relationships, and then also the Bible. Um, in Jesus' day, I think the leaders, he was talking about like everybody was quoting the Bible. So he didn't, I don't think he said it because of that. So he was saying, look at their, look at their fruit, look and see if their life flows from what you read in the Bible. I think for us, we really need to be about this book. If you want to be able to evaluate who a true or false prophet is, how can you do that if you don't know the truth? Right? This is the standard. Jesus has revealed himself here in Scripture. Like, this is, what, this is the way of Jesus. And, you know, they say about the FBI when they're chasing counterfeiters, you know, when they're training counterfeiters or counterfeit FBI folks to, to find counterfeit dollars, they don't actually give them the counterfeits. Do you know what they do? Like, they give them the real thing. They say, here's a $20 bill. Here's a $100 bill. 
and they make them study it for hours so that they can like draw it in their sleep so that when anything comes to them that has anything wrong with it, they immediately can go, oh, duh. Same thing for us. Same thing for us. Because you might have relationships with people and you might think that they're good people and worth following, but what if they're not promoting the way of Jesus? There are really good people on the road to destruction. Okay? It's not good people who go to heaven. It's forgiven people who go to heaven. And so we've got to be about this book. We've got to devote ourselves to reading the Bible, to understanding it. You know, and you don't have to master the whole thing by next week. But how about this week if you spend time reading it and just saying, like, what does this teach me about the way of Jesus? What does this teach me about how to follow him on the hard road? When I think about the tree, the other thing that just came flooding into my mind was that though Jesus is talking about trees, like Jesus, this vision for trees from Ezekiel, like Jesus was the perfect tree. You know, when you think about it, he was the perfect tree in his teaching, but more than that, in his healing, right? I mean, talk about the leaves for healing. Like Jesus just touched people and they were healed. You know, he was this tree. Just his presence, you know, caring for people, loving people, healing them physically and spiritually. I think what's interesting is that when you apply the image of the tree, not just to the person of Jesus, but to the gospel of Jesus, something kind of amazing happens. Jesus was the perfect tree. And yet, Jesus was cut down and thrown into the fire on the cross. On the cross, instead of experiencing all the blessings of being the perfect tree, Jesus was on the cross suffering as though he were a bad tree. Jesus was crucified not for his own sins, because he was perfect, but he was crucified for our sins. So if any of us who are bad trees come to him, he will make us new. See that verse 19, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And Jesus was the tree that always bore good fruit, and yet he was cut down, judged by God on the cross for us. For us. Friends, that's good news. That's a reason to follow him. If you have bad fruit in your life, if you are a bad tree, confess it and come to him. He'll forgive you. And then he does something that's unbelievable. Like this becomes us. It's not just that we, this is our new self, like this is what we become. We're not just planted by streams of water, we're actually planted into Christ. Our roots sink deeply into who he is. His life becomes our life. The Bible says that he gives us his Holy Spirit that fills us up with the fullness of God. And so this fruit that we want, this fruit of love and joy and peace, 
patience, kindness, gentleness, the way we treat other people, the way our attitudes are, the way we speak, the, way we, the things that we do, all these things are merely the life of Christ flowing through us. And this is the gospel. This is the life that Jesus wants for all of you. This is the life that Jesus wants for all of you, and he wants you following people who look like this. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for loving us so much. You didn't just teach us the way, but you are the way. You didn't just shout out from heaven, hey, here's how to do it, but you came down and showed us perfection. And you warned us, he loved us enough to warn us that there is such a thing as truth and error. You protect us, you're the good shepherd. You're the good shepherd who shows us the good trees, the bad trees. You show us who to follow. And then gloriously you make a way so that we who are imperfect can find forgiveness. We who are broken can find healing. And then, Jesus, you take us, after you've healed us, then you make us able to show healing and to share healing with others. This is what we want. Jesus, this is what the people in our lives who don't know you want. And we pray that you would make us agents of your blessing, that you would give us this vision, that it would become a reality for us. And Jesus, I pray, too, that For those of us who are here and aren't trusting you, and they've been going down the wrong road, down the road that leads to destruction, help them. Help them to trust you. Help them to be honest, to confess their sins, and to look to you for forgiveness. Jesus, continue to bless us so we can bless others. We pray this in your name. Amen.